Welcome into episode 50 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by our normal co-host, David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. David, first off, how are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. I see we've got a, uh, a, a new, I shouldn't say guest, a friend with his background. I'm going to put a t-shirt up behind me. <laughs> I know he's showing, he's showing us all up. Uh, he's referring to Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Uh, Sean, you were on the show, I guess, late June uh, to, when we went up to go see Dante Allen play up in Northern Kentucky. And uh, we're bringing you back to kind of as a follow up to that to that trip. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, Jack. And yeah, I thought I think we all thought that this would happen at some point, but not as soon yeah. as. I I thought this conversation would be happening happening a year from now. I thought this would be like the episode. What we're on episode fifty. I guess I thought this would be like episode uh, four hundred. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah. We're uh, pretty big news happened this week. Uh, Belmont transfer uh, Adam Conkle, Hebron, Kentucky native, announced that he is going to be entering the entering the transfer portal. And uh, Kentucky was one of the first schools to reach out. Seems like there's some some growing interest, and and we want to kind of take you back to late June when we yes we have mentioned on this show several times that there's kind of this secretive name that we weren't able to mention that was supposed to be a grad transfer next year that that uh he had kind of openly expressed behind the scenes that he was interested in coming to Kentucky next season as a grad transfer and something I think Kentucky was aware of behind the scenes they knew that there was a talented kid talented in-state kid that wanted to play for Kentucky at some point we just didn't know when that would be the initial thought was that he was going to play this year at Belmont sit out or I, I guess he'd play this year, try to grad, try to tra- uh, graduate and then be a grad transfer next year. So I think he would still, he would have a year of eligibility remaining. So that was the original plan. And then word leaks that he just says, you know what, I, I think I'm ready to just find a, find a new home starting this year. Uh, he announces he's entering the transfer portal and here we are. So uh, Sean, I want to start this show by kind of going back to that trip to Northern Kentucky, where we went to go see Dante Allen. And I kind of seems like our attention quickly focused and shifted toward Adam Kunkel, because I mean, the kid was flat out awesome. We really liked what we saw. So I want to get your initial thoughts on what you saw of his game and kind of, uh, you know, the first steps of all of this. Yeah, well, we, we had no idea who Adam Kunkel was. I, I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. Um, we walked in, we were there for Dante, and then, you know, things start happening with the drills. And you and I looked at each other after the first ball handling drill, and we were like, who's that kid? And yeah. then we walked around and was behind the basket, and somebody came over and told us, you know, that he plays at Belmont and that they had mentioned him possibly being interested as a possible grad transfer that hoping Kentucky would get involved. And then, uh, sure enough, so Keeley's with us shooting photos. And I remember you and I looked at her and said, take photos of that guy. And then we <laughs> yeah. started getting video of him and everything and sort of shifted. We, we got a lot of Dante, but then we made sure we got a lot of Kunkel, too. And just an explosive player. That's the thing. As much as what we could see with individual workouts. But yeah. he, he was really explosive. Me and you looked at each other because he was finishing some dunks at the rim. We're like, man, this kid has some bounce to the game. Yeah. I mean, and – 
dude was shot almost 40% from three last year at Belmont. So that was one thing we were like, okay, everybody wants an in-state, you know, sharpshooter. That seemed like it. I mean, he, he filled that role to a T. Uh, we noticed that he kind of had a weird, a weird release. And, it, you know, the ball, it, it kind of reminded me of Malik Monk. Remember where when he shot the ball, there was almost no movement on his ball, no backspin, no rotation at all. It was just kind of like a knuckleball every time he shot it. That's kind of what this kid shot like in these in, in this workout, at least. I know some, his film looked, uh, a, you know, better than what it kind of indicated in these just little open workout settings. But we were like, man, that's an odd release. But the thing goes in every single time. Like the kid can flat out shoot the ball. Um, David, before we jump into his recruitment and what we know about all of that, David, you've done a phenomenal, phenomenal job breaking down his game over at Cats Illustrated. Uh, you, you've released a scouting report recently. I think you've been talking to some OBC coaches to see what, what your thoughts are or what their thoughts are on his game. And you've kind of, you know, created this little database of who this kid is and what fans need to know about him. So I want you to kind of take the, take the reins and the X's and O's side of things, uh, of what you think of Adam Kunkel and potentially what he could bring to the table at Kentucky. He's really skilled and I think more athletic than, um, most people would think, and one thing you've got to remember about Belmont guards, uh, you know, Ian Clark and uh, Dylan Windler have come out of there in the last couple of years. Ian Clark has an NBA ring, played quite a bit on that team, 17 team with Golden State. And uh, Dylan Windler, to me, is the best player that's ever played at Belmont. And uh, first round draft pick for the Cavaliers, I think he was like number 28 last year. Mm-hmm. So, yep. The, the, you've got you've got to remember don't people don't need to think first of all because a kid goes to Belmont that he can't be a really really good player. I've seen some other ones, Justin Hare, some other ones I think could have played in the SEC easily. Um, yeah. So the the thing that you're generally not going to see from them, you're not going to see Kentucky five star athleticism. Uh, he is what he is right now. He's 6'3", 165, extremely skilled. I wouldn't call him tremendously athletic, but I'm going to tell you what he has. He has some street to his game. Um, um, and there was another word that an OBC coach used for me that starts with an S <laughs> that he has in his game. And, uh, and that was a compliment. Uh, if you've watched any tape or film on him, He's very crafty with his dribble. He's got stop and go. He's got juke. He's got all the dribble moves, and he can get to the rim doing that. He can shoot the three off that. He loves to. He loves to get to his right hand. Uh, he can. He had 35 on Boston College, and got to his right hand a lot at the rim. Finished through contact. But there's one thing noticeable. Some of those shots, you're like, how did they go in? Because he got swallowed up by the defender almost. You can't even see him in the screen. So I think the one thing, whether he goes to Kentucky, whether he goes to some other power five school, uh, one thing that they probably offer is a weight room. And that's the thing to me. Let him sit out a year. He's 6'3", 165. He comes back 6'3", 180, 185. I think he'd be a lot more athletic. I think a, a big question to me, is whether or not he's going to be able to guard an SEC player. If he can stay in front of him, he ran into a lot of screens. He really had trouble with a ball screen. I could see 
other teams putting him in ball screens, see other teams isolating him on a wing where he's on a big-time athletic SEC guard? That's going to be the question. But I think he can get a lot more athletic, a lot quicker, a lot stronger than he is now. But make no mistake about it, he's a tremendous shooter, 39% three-point shooter. He also, from the 2018-19 season to 2019-20, he went from two points a game to 17 points a game, which was the second largest jump in the NCAA outside of a player from Hampton. So, um, you know, he's made those improvements. I see him – I think he could do some things. His mid-range pull-up's really good, but he's not going to elevate over people. It's really fundamentally sound. So I see him at Kentucky as more of a – probably a spot-up shooter than he was at Belmont where he was looking to create. But he can create some. Make no mistake. And who knows? Like I said, with a year in the weight room, that could really improve. So, uh, yeah, I, I think – I'm going to be honest. I think he can go. I've talked to OVC coaches, and they believe he can go to a power five to an SEC and contribute. And I think he especially can on the offensive end. Belmont, he got face guarded a lot because, okay, we'll see if these other guys can beat us one-on-one. We're not going to let him get a shot off. Defenders are going to have to help. If, 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 if he went to a Kentucky, they have to help. So that's going to leave him with some looks. Yeah. Uh, so just going down his his stats, you mentioned some of them. Uh, last year, he averaged set, uh, 16.5 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, uh, nearly one stand, steal a game, and thir- nearly 30 minutes per contest. Uh, shot 43% overall and 39% from three. But in terms of individual performances, he finished with 20 or more points in eight games, uh, a career-high 35 points against Boston College on the road. Uh, out of 33 total games, he hit two or two or more three-pointers in 25 of those games, four or more in nine of those games, five or more twice, and he made seven in one game. So this is a dude that just can flat out put the ball in the basket, knows how to, you know, I mean, he knows how to knock knock down shots, and that's something that Kentucky fans have just been asking for every single year. Is there a guy that you know can come in and and knock down shots? And I think that's what this kid could bring to the table. Sean, what what is your general assessment after uh, some of of your early film watching and and just knowing, knowing this kid's game after doing a little bit more research on him? When you look at his stats, too, he, he had some games where he could facilitate. He had some games of four, five, six assists. And David put yeah. up a, David actually put up a highlight piece of him where he hit a guy on a backdoor pass with his left hand. And, I mean, it was a crisp, solid pass. Uh, so he, he does more, has a lot more to his game. And I, I like where David was talking about him getting to his right hand. I think we saw that that day, even yeah. in the individual workouts. He wanted to get to the right side of the rim, too, and finish. And that's where he got sort of creative and could sort of, the way he, he finished with his body, he was able to be in awkward spots. You mentioned the shot release, but the one common denominator is it goes through the net. And yep. that's the thing that stood out the most that day. I, I, the one thing right before we got on here, somebody actually told me their one concern is him being able to guard at that level at Kentucky. But that's where I think that he's actually more intriguing as a sit one play too, because he would get this year to defend against those guys in practice get a year of that. And honestly, I think it's more appealing for Kentucky to have him be a sit-out guy, as David mentioned, get him in the weight room instead of next year being a grad transfer, having to come in and play with just the summer workout 
I think this is actually more appealing to Kentucky to get him to sit out for a year and then come in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, shifting, uh, you know, shifting a little bit to his recruitment. So this has kind of been all over the place, um, especially over the last 48 hours, but dating back to that day when we talked to him initially and, and the initial thought was that he was going to be a grad transfer next year. So he puts his name in the transfer portal. I, I was told that this was kind of in the works two weeks before he actually put his name in. Uh, he got, I think his name officially got in the, in the portal on Monday. Uh, it was announced Tuesday early, uh, Tuesday during the day, I believe, uh, is when he went public about it. So he already had a little bit of time to, you know, in the portal where teams could immediately reach out to him. It wasn't one of those Olivier Sar situations where he announces his transfer and then we had to wait a week or whatever it was to see who actually was contacting if they were, you know, the, the timing of it, who was legally allowed to at what time, all that stuff. So this was a pretty immediate situation. Um, I talked to people close to Kunkel. The list that I got was Xavier, Iowa State, Creighton, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Kansas, uh, that was the first run of schools. Kentucky joined in right in the midst of all that. Um, I heard Louisville, St. John's. I'm trying to think of all the other ones. Dayton was one of them. Uh, I hope I'm not missing any of them. But, yeah, those, it, it was that, that grouping of schools. Um, I think Kansas was, was a school that behind the scenes they were kind of hoping that he would be a – you know, pay his way the first year and then and then be on scholarship the next two years. That's not something that's interesting to that. That's not something that intrigues Kunkel's camp at all. So they kind of that was a thanks but no thanks offer. Louisville was in a similar boat. They kind of the, their first offer was a a pay your way first year. I guess David is that a, like a blue shirt or a gray blue shirt or gray shirt? Yeah. Is that what it's blue called? Shirt, yeah. yeah. Um. So is yeah, they. There's another one now that's a that that's a two year deal, uh, uh, and I can I believe the blue shirts when you sit out a year. Yeah, so that was what was on the table for a couple of those schools. That's not something that intrigues their camp at all. So uh, those are those are pretty quick thanks, but no thanks unless things you know unless they go back and say okay, well we can we can find a scholarship for you. We'll we'll make things work. So um, in terms of schools that are are there in the running that he's strongly considering. I think uh, Creighton, I think Arkansas, Xavier, and Indiana are kind of the top four non-Kentucky schools. I think Kentucky is the favorite of, of them if things work out. Uh, those four are kind of the, the uh, favorites. I know Arkansas is all in on them. They're having coach after coach reach out to them, uh, you know, from the second he put his name in the portal, they were one of the first schools and they've been just all in on him ever since then. I think they've, I, th I think I heard they had like five coaches over the last 48 hours since he put his name in that have reached out. So they are very much intrigued by him. Uh, it'd be a little bit more, he wants to stay closer at home. He wants to be able to uh, be in drive within driving distance of his family. So Arkansas is a little bit further away, but I think that's kind of the, the extent of where he'd be willing to, where he'd be willing to go uh, in terms of driving distance. Creighton is kind of in the same vicinity of, of uh, what, six-hour drive from where he's from, something like that. So that, I think that's the, the furthest he'd be willing to go. But the ideal situation for him would be closer to home, and that would be in Indiana, a, a Xavier. Cincinnati is also in the running. They kind of came in a little bit later, but they are also, uh, they're also yeah, also got interested. 
I also got a text that uh, Oklahoma is trying to get involved too. So yeah, that's happened here in the last maybe I don't know a couple hours. But uh, one interesting thing about Arkansas, uh, I if you cover which I do the Minnesota recruiting too, you know how involved they are on transfers. <laughs> Every single transfer has been associated with Arkansas. With Arkansas. Arkansas is there's always a battle. I think, like you said, they've been in on every transfer since Musselman's been there. And I don't know if they've got room left. They've got about 25 players on their roster and <laughs> they're all transfers. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where they're planning on putting these guys. I don't know what their housing situation looks like. I mean, they're going to have – I mean, they're going to be staying in bunk beds, it looks like. They're going to have two people in every room. It, it, it just – crazy how they're always in and in solid position with all the, it's not like they're just on their list. They're in the running with all of these top level transfers. It's just nuts. I mean, it's, it's good on them. They're doing a great job on the, on the recruiting trail, but man, it's, it's like, you can, you can put it in pen every single time. They, if there's a top level, uh, top level transfer, Arkansas is going to be on that list. Um, so Aaron Torres is, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking us down another road here. But I don't know if you read Aaron Torres' tweet uh, a couple of days back that he could see with everything going on and the way things are changing that a lot of programs are not even going to recruit high school kids. They're just going to sit around and wait on transfers. And it it was really interesting when I went back and looked at the retweets, how many different AAU teams were prolific AAU high school pro uh, – AAU programs and high school programs retweeted that tweet. So they believe it. Yeah. And that's something that I think UK has been monitoring. And, and I think they've had a really hard time coming up with roster, you know, just roster management as a whole, because they were planning on Khalil Whitney to come back for a second year. But during these early summer workouts last summer, the initial thought was, yeah, this is probably a two-year guy. We're we're gonna we're gonna groom him as if he's a two-year guy, and then he leaves several months, you know, just a couple months into the season. Um, they expected Johnny Juzang to be back this year. You know, they they had these guys going into it that they were kind of building their other recruiting. You know, that they weren't going all in on some other guys on the recruiting trail because they were anticipating some of these guys to come back. EJ was a guy this summer that they were thinking pretty hard. With, you know based on what he his on-court production was, he is a guy that should have been coming back, you know, that should have come back this year. It didn't happen. So, so they kind of, they're kind of left scrambling last second. So they've been frustrated recently with having to deal with this roster management and, and put together, you know, not just current rosters, but plan ahead for year next year, or the year after. So, it doesn't shock me at all that they're in, that they are going after the Jacob Toppins of the world, that they're going after the Adam Kunkels of the world, because they know, okay, no matter what happens on the recruiting trail, if you get those two guys, you have two solid pieces on the roster next year that you don't have to account for. You don't have to worry about. They are going to be on next year's roster. Uh, they're not going to leave early for the NBA draft. They're not, you know, we're not going to have to worry about stuff like that. Those are two solid core pieces that you can just kind of build around and, uh, you know, kind of establish a foundation of on top of the recruiting targets they're already, you know, in good shape with for, for next year. And I know all three of us have been asked, um, I want to get your guys' opinion, uh, have been asked, okay, when 
the one and done dwindles down. How does John Calipari, where does he turn? How does he change his recruiting philosophy? This looks to me like maybe one way he's doing it because let's say Kunkel does come in. That's three transfers, although Kunkel and, and, and uh, uh, well, actually it would be uh, four transfers on the roster now. You're talking Mitz, Saar, uh, Topin, and, and now here if it was Kunkel, so there's four. Uh, and it kind of makes sense, too, because I think it appears to me another route he's going is they're going to a lot of more reclasses now than they did. So you're talking mm-hmm. about guys who would normally be high school seniors being freshmen. So now not only do you get the players you need, but you're also blending in an older players with younger, even younger players than what they had. So uh, yeah. it, it appears to me like – there's two directions he's going. They're working together. I mean, that's literally exactly what they did with Davion Mintz this year and um, and Devin Askew trying to um, – so they brought Davion and Devin in at the same time because they – you know, Devin is a reclass guy from class of 2021. Davion is a, you know, a graduate transfer guy. They're going. They're kind of tentatively planning on Davion being the guy from day one, but by the end of the year, they're wanting that to be a grooming process and let, uh, you know, let Devin ease into his college experience as opposed to throwing him in with the Sharks and say, "You're our number one point guard. Have at it." Uh, so I, I I like the, this philosophy. I like the way that they're going with it. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a great way to build build a roster and kind of. You know that there's going to be a Davion Mintz next year. You know that there's going to be a high-profile guy wanting to spend his last year, uh, you know, last year of college eligibility at Kentucky. So you can always kind of account for some reclass guys, some guys that might be too young to take over the reins immediately. But you can still ease them in with with some graduate transfer guys. That I, I'm a big fan of it, Sean. Do you, do you like the way Cal is constructing these teams? I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and I think that we can agree. If when things change, John Calipari is going to be one of the first to do something, and then everyone mm-hmm. else will sort of follow along. It was the same way with the one and done. I think it's going to be the same thing with this transfer rule and everything. But when you look at it in the last three years, I mean, you've got Reed Travis, Olivier Saar. You've got two of the top high major transfers on the market have have come to Kentucky. It's essentially a, a five star talent coming in mm-hmm. to blend yeah. in with Richmond. And I just think the the Kunkel recruitment, along with Toppin, I, I just think it's so appealing to Kentucky to get two guys, if they get Kunkel, in the program that will know the system. They'll know exactly what the expectations are. It'll be established with the culture. They've got a year to get used to the fans and, and all of the atmosphere at Kentucky. I just I think it's just a win-win situation if you can get that. And then you go out and recruit the five stars and, and all that guy, piece those classes together to come in and play with them. I just think it's a – a thing that we'll see Kentucky on the, the front end of this thing. Now, Sean, I, I want to make sure you get credit for being up there and talking to, you know, some of these same guys too, because you, you were sitting on some pretty solid information as well regarding this in this Kunkel recruitment. And, and you know, you knew some stuff behind the scenes that you weren't willing to put out there on a, on a podcast and all that. So I want to make sure you get you the credit that, that you deserve that, that, you know, this was a, this was a collective, collective secret, 
I guess that that uh, that you deserve to get some for you. And and also, I want you to kind of use this opportunity to what what else have you learned and what else you know you you've talked to some guys since this recruitment has started and and uh, you know what what do you know on your end right now uh, regarding Kentucky's chances and just kind of how things have unfolded as a whole. I feel pretty confident if Kentucky wants him, I think that that's where he'll end up. I really feel that way if it comes if it comes down to that but it, it was kind of it caught me off guard the other day when his name went in the portal I don't know if it caught yep. you off guard or not and I was actually and yep. I was at Shelby Valley High School watching uh, Kentucky women's basketball commit Cassidy Rowe workout so I'm on my way there and I, I, I see the the Twitter notification from Jeff Brazil and I'm like this is really happening right now I said I thought this was going <laughs> to and then you had tried calling me and I was like hey I'll call you back and I literally texted you the exact info that you had heard you and you were like, well, that's why I was calling you. So we had the same info that at first we were told Kentucky, we didn't know if Kentucky had a scholarship. That was the first thing right. that sort of came out. And then me and you were on the phone and we're like, now I don't think that that's possible because we were, yeah, doing I'm no math, math major, but they yeah. have 11 guys on scholarship, 13 available scholarships, 13 minus 11 equals two. I don't know where the mix-up was there because there there are two scholarships available. And then two minutes later, the same source texts me and said they're watching film on him tonight. And then yeah. from there, here we are, and things seem to be moving pretty quickly. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 definitely something that you didn't see happening in late July. I don't know how often this has happened in, on the UK <laughs> basketball. I've been on the beat three years now, and I, I've always said June – Things should be established, but I think now with we're just un, in uncertain times, and I think that he's had some time to come home to Kentucky. He's had a chance to get in at that facility and work. We should mention too that his relationship with Dante Allen—that's a guy that he's familiar with. That they're friends. They're close friends. There. And I was going through I was going through Kunkel's uh, Instagram yesterday, and I went back to the very first picture. I just scrolled, which is the very first picture. Dante Allen was one of, you know, when, when you first start an Instagram page, you get like 15, 20, like something like that. I went down to the very bottom of his list and one of his very first pictures, low like number and Dante Allen was one of them. So this is a relationship that they've had for a, a, a pretty long time. They're comfortable with one another. And I'm sure Dante is in his ear as well. Basically like, Hey man, we, you know, this is, we're in this for the long haul. We could use you for, uh, you know, the two years of eligibility that you'd have. So, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it always this, makes sense. This would be, if, if it works out in Kentucky's favor and he comes to Kentucky, this would be one that the fan base would instantly just it's, – it's the perfect storm for Kentucky fans. It's a Kentucky mm-hmm. kid who's gone somewhere else, worked his way into possibly being at a place like Kentucky, not far from Lexington, a kid that can shoot the ball. You've mentioned it. And he, he was a talented name even on the high school front when he played in high school. Everybody that I've talked to – I mean, I talked to a couple of coaches in the uh, 606 area when I was up that way the other day, and they knew the name Adam Kunkel. And they yeah. thought he had the potential to to become a, a player. that. And I think, too, the other day when the list came out, we saw that Kansas was a school. I think that was an instant, yeah, K- Kentucky's probably going to take a look at this. We yeah. see a school like Kansas on that list. Yeah. You, I mean, go, you, you bring up a good point. We haven't even talked about his high school, his high school career at Cooper. I wrote down kind of all of the the accolades he has. Four year letter winner, um, all state by the Associated Press and Louisville, Louisville Courier Journal, Kentucky Mr. Basketball finalist, most valuable player of the Ohio Kentucky All Star Game, all Cincinnati area 
uh, boys basketball team honors by Cincinnati.com. 2018 Kentucky co-ninth uh, region player of the year. Averaged 20 points, 7.7 rebounds on 51% shooting and 45% from three as a senior. So, like, this is a kid that was a superstar at the high school level in Kentucky. Like, this is not just, a you know, another random – starter at a you know a team that didn't contend like this was a good player on a good team that I mean do do the accolades speak for themselves I mean this is a kid that that is earning every single bit of 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 success that he had at the high school level during his initial recruitment and then obviously now that all these big name schools are reaching out to him this is a kid that has earned every every little bit of it and uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how he wants to, how he's going to navigate this recruitment. I think from my understanding, it's going to go pretty quickly. Um, But how he wants to, what he values in this, is he going to, you know, does he want to go to a Xavier that is, has been rumored as one of the early favorites in his, in his recruitment? Is he wanting to go there where he can be, you know, a bigger fish in a small, smaller pond, not, you know, Xavier's still a really, really solid school, but that's a school that he could, he could go and start and get, I mean, average as many points as he wants. He can get as many shots as he wants a game, want a game. Or does he value his lifelong, you know, I mean, his father played offensive line at, at played on the offensive line, was a starter on Kentucky's offensive line. Um, I mean, he's a lifelong Kentucky fan. He has numerous connections with the program. Does he value that immediate stardom where he would probably, what he would probably get at Xavier? Or is this a kid that, is a diehard Kentucky fan, grew up a diehard Kentucky fan, and wants to follow through on his, you know, blue blood dream of, of playing in Lexington. And that's where I, I come from, that I think if this were a one-year deal, like if he were a grad transfer, I actually – I don't know if Kentucky would be the landing spot just because yeah. it's a little different. But with having a year, if he does come, and I think if Kentucky goes all in, I would put them there at the front of this thing. But – I think it's interesting, too, that we should add, had there been an NCAA tournament, I think this is a kid that a lot of people would have known about. He would have been one of those kids in that first round of the NCAA tournament that probably could have gone for 25, 26 on somebody and might have been a name that people would recognize more. I mean, he yeah. stayed in a conference title game. He played well in that game on national TV. I know David looked at that game and had some film up on, on Twitter of that and stuff. And I feel like if there had been an NCAA tournament, Adam Kunkel would have been a, a bigger name on the recruiting front, and I think something that fans would have known about before we even mentioned it. And, and one yeah, thing I mean, about Belmont guards, uh, I, I'm going back to Rick Bird. A lot of, of our listeners down around the Middlesboro area are familiar with Rick Bird back from his Lincoln Memorial days. And I've followed him since telling my age longer than you guys have been alive. I remember going watching him in the mid-'80s, early-'80s, actually. Uh, when I was in high school, um, and he um, playing for him is like getting a doctorate in basketball. And he had a year with him, Casey Alexander, a longtime assistant, the same way. Uh, one thing about Belmont now wasn't the case 15 years ago, but it's the case now, especially on the perimeter. If you go there, it's not like Belmont beat out a list of low and mid majors. That's almost like the next step down. If I don't get an SEC offer or a big East offer, I'm going to go to Belmont Yeah. Uh, as a guard. Uh, if you have the guards that they like and they get offered by a bunch of other mid majors, they're going to choose Belmont. Um, I coached a guy, uh, 
12 to 15 years ago, Justin Hare, uh, who chose Belmont over Stanford. Uh, wow. and, and did pretty well for himself. He's a doctor now, so everything turned out okay. But that works. Uh, but they get very talented backcourt players. And if you'll look at last year's roster, Grayson Murphy out of uh, Franklin, Tennessee, Tyler Scanlon, they had a very, very talented backcourt that, like Sean said, qualified for the NCAA tournament, won the OVC, and he was the best guard on that team out of a team full of really good guards. So um, he, this is more than an OVC transfer. Side note: are, are are we like watching a National Geographic documentary or something? Like it's, it's a, we're hearing the the birds chirping in the background and the cat purring right in your lap. Like this is, uh, I feel like this is a a full like, full nature porch. experience that we're. That I'm, we I'm out on the porch, and here's the reason: <laughs> my, my daughter's got a dog, and and I used to go inside, and that thing stays with us now while she's working, and. Uh, it ransacks our house. <laughs> it would be, so I'm outside and the cat, we got an outdoor cat and it, it knows when we're getting ready to start. I mean, the time you hit, as soon as you start, here comes the cat. So it, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a peaceful it's experience. I'm, I'm not going to deny it. it. No, it's, it's peaceful, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of bringing, bringing us to our happy place. It really is. If anybody watches the video and when, when the cat, started meowing I, i'm trying to compose myself because i'm like where's this coming from <laughs> exactly. since, since i didn't have the background i've got i've actually got the it's the kentucky wildcat mascot that's it wow you got yeah. a wildcat on your, on your deck <laughs> but literally back, literally back to what we were talking about and you mentioned you know coach bird and stuff uh and those players that go to belmont david those guards they have a high iq level of basketball and they they know how to play on the perimeter they know how to sort of set their man up coming off screens running those flare screens those backdoor cuts they they know how to play without the ball and I think that's the biggest thing when I watch tape on him is that it's his preparation getting before he gets the ball he understands how to set himself up use screens and some of that six three frame you're talking about where he's probably not gonna be able to shoot over top of guys he's very crafty too and creative with his handle that he was sort of able – he's quick off his feet that I think helps him a lot. But his basketball IQ really stood out to me in the tape that you put out. Yeah, I, things that are noticeable too. Uh, he's a good passer. You talked about the pass. And, and I remember watching that game against Murray State, and I've seen over and over and over throughout the years, if you play Belmont and they've got last but second possession, they're going to run the weave, they're going to back cut the wing and hit the pocket bounce pass. Uh, they did it against Tennessee a couple years back when Bruce Pearl was there uh, down the last seconds. But, he, you know, he made that pass. But I noticed how well he fed the post. And if he didn't have a post speed right off the bat, he would dribble to maneuver himself to improve his passing angle, and then he would make the feed inside. If you can feed the post and you're a guard, I think that plays pretty well into uh, what John Calipari wants. Let's look a little bit more into Kentucky side of things and kind of give fans as much clarity as, as we can about where things stand right now and how fast this thing could move. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give out too much because there's there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that they want to, you know, 
keep as, as quiet and, and, and as vague as possible, just because, you know, this is a, because of how fast things are, are moving and, and, and all that, they, they don't want too much out there right now. Um, as they kind of take these initial steps, because it, it's kind of a, a delicate time and, and the transfer, you know, when it comes to transfers and especially getting guys on campus and because there's already, you know, throughout the country, all these schools are already having guys on campus. They've already facilitated, they've already established their little bubbles and, and all that. They want to, uh, you know, they, they got to be a little bit careful with how they navigate through these next couple days and, and however long this, this process is going to last. So based on what I know right now, Kentucky really likes his film. They thought they, they think he's, he's good enough. They, um, they, I mean, they flat out told them that there was a little bit of, of question that this was a kid that wanted to go to Kentucky initially, I think, uh, before he put his name in the portal. Cause again, this was like a two week process um, beforehand that where he kind of knew he was going to transfer, but he hadn't officially put his name in the portal yet where he, I think you're legally allowed to, if it, on the kids end, you're legally allowed to reach out to another school and gauge interest. He gauged interest and it was one of those, yeah, we'll see type things where they didn't know if they had a scholarship available for him. Uh, they didn't want to account us, you know, they didn't want to set aside a scholarship for him if until the day he actually put his name in the portal. So there was some there wasn't a lot of clarity initially that there would even be a spot for him at Kentucky. And that kind of turned, not didn't, didn't turn him off, but he just didn't think Kentucky would be a realistic option until the day came that after he put his name in the, in, in the portal, UK saw that and said, ah, okay, he's in the portal. Now we can talk. Let's take this next step. So they did take the next step with him. They're talking to him, right? Talking to him and his, and his camp regularly. They have watched their film on him. They, they like it. And now we are in a, in a holding pattern to see what, what's next. They, I think this is, this just, this isn't inside information, but this is going to come down to Calipari and, you know, those above him making the final call on, uh, can we get this guy on campus now? Is there space for him safely in the bubble? Uh, you know, is there room for him in the lodge? You know, how, how can we navigate this logistically? you know, safely, healthily, make sure that this bubble that they've already established, that things are going so well, that it doesn't pop, you know, for an unnecessary reason. They want to make sure that they can, if this happens, that it happens safely. So that's part of the, you know, things are happening behind the scenes, but it's a constant direction that me personally, I think will end up with him at Kentucky. I do. I think that at the end of the day, Kentucky will realize that this is a this is a kid that deserves a spot on this roster. He's good enough. He can make an impact next year. Um, he can be a solid practice player to you know help develop the De the Devin Askews of the world. Be a kind of a mentor for BJ Boss and Terrence Clark, uh, you know, on the perimeter. And then next year he can be a solid solid guard option to add to the Jaden Hardys of the world, the Sky Clarks that they that you know they believe could reclassify after 2021 and kind of be a an early commitment for them and kind of build their foundation, including Kunkel with that. So that's where things stand right now. Um, I'm told that things, things could change as of this afternoon, that there are going to be more phone calls that happen and, and, you know, that kind of help decide where things are going to go from here. But if you were to ask me as of we're recording, it's 1224 Eastern time on Thursday afternoon. If you were to ask me right this second, I think he ends up at Kentucky, and I think UK, I think UK makes a spot for him. That's where that's where I stand. Is Sean? Is that kind of the same same thing that you're getting? 
I'd, I'd piggyback right off of that and agree with you. I, I think that if Kentucky shows that they want him and they, they show that, I think he ends up at Kentucky. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the bubble and things. There's just so, so many different things right now going on that it sort of makes this situation even more unique than what it is with it being a late July. They've already got their bubble established, as you mentioned. And if he does come to Kentucky, there's probably going to be a – it's not going to be something he just instantly gets on campus. It's going to be one of those things probably where he would have to take the period. They're going to make sure that they don't bring somebody in that's been exposed to something. And uh, I think the one thing that we can all go back to is when this, when the team moved on campus, I'm, I don't even know if those guys saw each other the but, first yeah. so many days until there were so many negative tests or whatever they had. So it'll uh, – UK, if, if it's something they want and it's something that Kunkel wants, they'll make this thing work out and, and they'll go about it to make sure that that bubble stays intact. Yeah, and I, I mean, based on the conversations I've had as of, I mean, as of this morning, this is something that I think they want. If it's if it's happening, they want to make a decision either way. We, I think, we will know Kentucky's involvement, and if they are going to, you know, make sure if if they're going to bring him on campus and and make this a thing, this is going to happen sooner rather than later. They don't want to push this further into, you know, like like we mentioned with the bubble and all that, they don't want to extend this longer than they have to. If, if this kid's serious about coming to Kentucky, they want to make sure that he's on campus as soon as possible, that this commitment happens soon. They, they will want to get this over with sooner rather than later. So I think the longer this drags out, the, the, the worse it is for Kentucky, I guess, because that will indicate, and we should, I mean, I, sh- I should know by this evening potentially whether things are taking the next step and it is going to be Kentucky, but if it doesn't, and if if things kind of last a little bit longer, uh, that'll probably indicate that Kentucky said we don't want to, you know, inject another, you know, factor into this bubble and 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 mess up the good thing we have going on right now. We should know that here here pretty soon. If things last longer than the next day or two or this week specifically, um, expect expect Xavier or. Uh, or those other three options I mentioned, Arkansas, Indiana, Creighton, and Cincinnati being that kind of secondary option as the as that core group that he's going to be looking at. And this could be a case where COVID actually helped Kentucky in recruiting. And the reason I say that is I think their ability, if they're able to get a player in safely with all the testing, Sean, you have talked about all the testing and, that may not sound like much to a lot of people, but I think that could be one reason. And this is not a, a, a slam at Belmont, but I think I think you're going to see even more of a separation from the haves and the have-nots uh, because right now your mid-majors, a lot of them can't be on campus, and why not? They do not have the means monetarily staff wise to do all this testing. Uh, I spoke with a big 10 coach last week, not a head coach, but an assistant coach. And I I asked him, will we have a non-conference basketball schedule before uh, let's say new year's? Is there a chance of non-conference games in November, December? Uh, Because I said, I can see, I wouldn't want my players to get uh, coronavirus playing against Western Michigan. Yeah. And 
he said, that's not necessarily the case. He said, we're not really worried about players catching it from contact on the court. He said, because the teams we're going to play, they're going to know whether or not their players have it. He said, here's the thing. If teams cannot provide and programs can't provide the same amount of testing and precautions that we do, we're not going to play through it. We're not going to play them. So we're not going to put our guys in jeopardy after all the hoops that we've jumped through. So I said all that to say this. I can see a kid at an OVC school saying, hey, we can't even get on campus. You know, we don't have the means to the testing for our safety. Well, I can go somewhere else that does. And we don't know what these OVC teams, what even what their schedules are going to look like. Yeah. Because we don't yeah. know who's going to be safe. But we can pretty well yeah. guarantee – that the Kentucky players are, are going to – doesn't mean it's 100% it's, it's foolproof, but they're going to be in as safe as a bubble as you can put them in to work and develop their games. And to me, if I came from somewhere else, that would be appealing. And, two, I mean, you're talking about a kid that's been in the state of Kentucky. So if he ends up at Kentucky, you're, you're bringing a kid an hour east or an hour west. Mm-hmm. So you're not talking about a kid that's coming from, you know, hundreds of miles away. So, and he's been in the same facility that Dante Allen's been in all summer. So obviously that facility has been safe in the way that they do things. So, I mean, it's, if it works out, it should be something that happens pretty quickly. And the same, the same circles, you know, talking safely, because I mean, these coaches have to check in on their players throughout the, you know, throughout the summer about who they've been talking, you know, before they got on campus, obviously, they had to talk about, you know, reach out to the, those close to these players and say, hey, has he been in safe environments? What, who has he been, been around? We got to make sure that he's good to go before he gets on campus and we create this bubble. So the UK staff has been in, because Dante and Adam are so close, they've been kind of talking to the same people. They know that they've been in, this, in a safe environment. So it's, should work out. I mean, it, it, like you said, it should, this, this makes so much sense on so many fronts. It's a talented kid. He's from here. He's friends with Dante. He knows all the same people, same recruiting, you know, same recruiting circles. You know, it's not bad handlers, you know, it's not, you know, weird, you know, weird guys that, that are going to mess up recruitments. This is a very straightforward cut and dry process. If UK wants it to be, this is the ball is in Kentucky's court. And if, if they want him, he, it's my understanding that they do, that he will be at Kentucky. So I think that, you know, now it's, it's just a waiting game. Now we just see, okay, is, is what are these next couple conversations going to be like? Uh, it's my understanding that conversations are ongoing and uh, we'll see. I mean, this is this, this, by the time you guys listen to this, we could know, you know, something significant and a step in the right direction. We, I don't know if we'll get an announcement date or announcement time or whatever. I don't know. But it appears things are moving pretty quickly, and uh, we by the next time next time you guys listen to this show, we should have an answer of of where Adam Kunkel is going, and if there is a new Wildcat to to celebrate. So yeah, this this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we call it quits? I think uh, I think you covered everything there. Sweet. Let me ask the cat. He's good. <laughs> He's good. All right, cool. Uh, Well, uh, I appreciate you guys jumping on with me real quick. David, where can fans find your work? 
uh, Cats Illustrated, and on Twitter, Coach David Sisk. And Sean? Uh, you can follow it at GoBigBlueCountry.com and on Twitter at GBBCountry. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. You can reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And with that, we'll be back next week for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Oh,